everyone. Thanks for listening. You're uh, listening to the Franchise Fluent Podcast, where we keep you fluent in all things franchising, small business, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Austin Titus, and I'm joined today by Doug here. And so thanks for joining us, Doug. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Doug here is the president, leader, founder, I'm not sure your exact title, of uh, Structural Elements. And so Doug, thanks for joining. Why don't you start off by talking a little bit about your business and kind of introducing the audience to your business? Yeah, well, you couldn't really go wrong when uh, selecting a title, right? Because as a founder who chooses to franchise their business, your CEO, your CMO, your CFO, right? You know, been the president at times. I've had a president at times. So um, yeah, you kind of do a little bit of it all. So, uh, you know, if you aren't ready to do that, you know, don't sign up, you know, for growth, right? So, but yeah, Structural Elements is is the name of the company. We uh, were founded in 2006, started as an education company, and in 2013, opened our first brick and mortar, and it turned out really well. And we kind of said, hey, this is, this is something that can be reproduced. And uh, 2015... Brought in my first business partner and investor, and we basically Googled, how do you start a franchise, <laughs> right? And, and started from there, right? And so it's just kind of been a, a steep climb ever since. Talk a little bit about the products or services that you guys offer and, and who your consumer is, just so the listeners understand that. Yeah, so Structural Elements is an orthopedic wellness company. And a lot of people, uh, when they hear those two words together, orthopedic and wellness, they get a little confused because most people think of orthopedics as joint replacements and, you know, shoulder surgery. And, and you know, sure, that's part of it. But the other side is, is all of the preventative measures that can be taken. Our core customer base is uh, active individuals. So, you know, we do have people that are in back pain and have knee pain and are trying to, you know, avoid surgery or, you know, just trying to get off of, uh, get out of pain without medications, things like that. But most of our customers uh, have active goals. So some of those are professional athletes. Some of those are Olympic athletes. Some of those are high school athletes. And then we have, you know, also people that just want to, you know, be able to walk the golf course. We have grandmas and grandpas that want to be able to get down to the floor and play with their grandkids and not hurt the next day. You know, so it's really just a, a pretty wide breadth of, of population. You know, in our brick and mortar clinics, we offer a number of services. We offer something called the SE treatment, which is a kind of a combination of acupuncture, dry needling, soft tissue work, uh, some manipulations, some exercise prescription. We offer massage, assisted stretching. We have Pilates. I mean, we have a number of different offerings, even nutritional counseling and health coaching. And so it's really kind of the one-stop shop for preventative orthopedic care. Expand a little bit on kind of the franchise model there and, and kind of who, what, what you're looking for in a franchise investor with the model and what are some of the details of running the business really? Sure. Yeah. Well, if I back up just a little bit, why did we select franchises our path, right? Basically, uh, we were looking at intellectual property protection for our proprietary approach. Okay. And uh, because it was publicly taught, getting intellectual property protection through patenting, even a service patent really was 
impossible to do because when you're dealing with the human body, it's already hard to patent a process. And then because it was already publicly taught, it wasn't a path to protect the integrity and, and the, the brand. Outside of copywriting and our trademarking, unless somebody is using our logos, it's kind of hard to go after them. But franchise gave us two things. It gave us the ability to have quality assurance and to have kind of contractual standards of anybody that's using our you know, work and using our brand that we have recourse. But even more so than that for me, you know, I taught continuing ed for a long time. And you get weekend workshops of therapists coming in to fulfill their, their CEUs, right? But beyond that, you lose access to that population. For me, I really wanted to mentor therapists throughout their career to make them exceptional therapists and continue to nurture their ongoing facilitation of growth, as well as help them build a, a sustainable business that had some sort of legacy and, and you know they could have something that lived beyond them in terms of their careers. So that's that's really kind of why franchise you know became the model. Again, steep learning curve. You know, day one, it's like this is a football, right? Is okay. So, you know, it's like we started trying to write our operations agreements, and we got lucky enough to. We had an attorney that we had hired, and and we're working on our operating agreement between me and my partner. And uh, the attorney connected us with a franchise attorney that we were going to you know use to get our documents together, and he hooked us up with somebody that all they did is wrote operating manuals. And so she really, it was like getting my MBA from Harvard in franchise business. It was like, we met every single week for like a year and she gave me a ton of homework that I had to have done by the next time we met. And I just felt like I was going in front of getting my thesis and going in front of, you know, my advisor. And it was a combination of this is how we do business now with this is how you should be running a business to make it scalable, right? And so we kind of built the ship in the air a little bit of amending some of the systems of how we were doing things and then, you know, documenting and archiving the things that we were doing well. And so uh, that just kind of became the process of, of uh, adopting best practices. After taking in some investors and, and starting down the legal path, we hit a brick wall. And that brick wall was something called the corporate practice of medicine. Okay. And this is one of those things like, you know, it's like, you know, you don't know what to look for when you don't know what to look for. And basically, for those of you that aren't familiar, the corporate practice of medicine means that if you want to open up a medical practice as a non doctor, in most places, you can't hire doctors. So even a chiropractor can't, if you're not a chiropractor, you can't hire a chiropractor. You know, and, and what we've started doing a little bit of research, we have like a 30 page document that's a matrix of all the who cans, who can'ts, who can hire who, you know, state by state. It is very, very difficult. It's very convoluted. So we thought there's no way we can scale and manage this. If in one state a PT can hire a chiropractor, but in another state they can't. And, you know, we were in trouble here. You know, we got good legal counsel and we started looking for how do we structure this thing so that. It's, it's a non-issue because we wanted to, we, we still want to scale this thing. We want to make it developer friendly, right? We want somebody that's interested in doing a regional development agreement to open up, you know, they want to buy the rights to Atlanta and we want to sell them, you know, the regional development rights and open up, you know, six clinics over the next four years, right? That's, that's the growth path that we want to make this attractive to. And therapists, and no offense, because I'm one of them, but in general are terrible business owners, 
Okay, so if we limited our pool to only being able to have chiropractors and physical therapists and acupuncturists open these clinics, we're just going to deal with a very small pool of people that are eligible. They're not going to have the access to capital. They're not going to have the stomach or the acumen to really run it, run it well, especially if they're in the treatment room. I'm not saying that there are people out there that can do that, but it's a limited pool. So because of this corporate practice thing, our regional development plans were just like came to a screeching halt. And so we had to figure out how to create a model that would accommodate regional development and having therapists and chiropractors and docs in the system that weren't employees of the franchisee. And so we came up with something that we call the network growth model. And the network growth model is ultimately a a path for multiple different layers uh, of, of people to be involved. So if now today you could open up a structural elements clinic as a non-doctor. But your business is simply the business of renting space to the docs. Okay. Like a lot of people are familiar with some of the salon suite models, yeah. right? It's, it's a shared cost environment. And, and so they're in the business of renting turnkey ready space to, to people in the salon industry. So we, we borrowed that a little bit, right? That's, you know, one of the examples that, that we had seen. And so now if somebody opens up a structural elements clinic, they have a couple hourly employees that work the desk. We call them patient care coordinators. They are responsible for collecting all of the fees. They're responsible for scheduling all of the appointments, for greeting the patient, taking them back to the room. And they're responsible for cleaning the rooms and making sure that the clinic is supplied. That's pretty much it. The therapists that work in the clinic are under what's called a micro franchise agreement with us. That also solves for something. If they were your employees, we can't recruit them. We can't train them. We can't touch them. We can't mentor them. Okay. So it's really limiting in that way. But because the the docs are under a micro agreement with us, now you just opened your clinic. Your business is to fill those rooms. We can now help recruit those franchisees, those micros for you. We can train them. We can hold them accountable to a standard of care. We do a quality assurance review on them and we can continue to nurture their ongoing growth. So it's two different levels, right? The clinic owner and the the micro franchisee, we're just bringing those two together. And so with with the the micro franchises that you have within your spaces, are there like certain brand names or do the medical professionals just go off of their their name as if, you know, as medical professionals do typically? No. So part of what they're buying in as buying in as a micro franchise is they're buying into practicing under our name. Gotcha. Right? So, so they, they, their DBA is structural elements. Okay. Gotcha. And, yeah. but, but when they show up day one, they've got their business cards, they've got rack cards to go out and market. They've got a presence on our website. They've got a newsletter that goes out to a huge population, introducing them in their background. We do outbound uh, patient acquisition for them. Um, we post events that we feature them at, you know, we have PowerPoint templates to send them out into the public and, and to go and, and, you know, we, we do ongoing trainings, we do calls, you know, it's like we, we can support them. That's what they're buying into. That's what they pay the royalties for. Absolutely. That's really unique. I, I haven't seen many models that, that mimic that structure. And so, uh, sorry if, you, if I missed this, but how many professionals are in each one of your facilities? 
Yeah, so uh, we're the biggest facility um, here in in Northern Maryland in Hagerstown, and we have uh, eight uh, clinicians that are here with us. The other clinics are a little smaller footprint. They're in Frederick and in Milwaukee, so their capacity is is a little bit less. We have. Connected to our clinics, there's something, there's a little bit of a business within the business. There's another identity called SE Lab. Lab stands for Learn and Apply Balance. So we kind of have the clinic, clinical aspect of what we do. And then Lab, Learn and Apply Balance, is like more of the, we do Pilates, we do like supervised fitness, we create, you know, curated home exercise programs for people. And in Milwaukee, they actually just opened a freestanding SE lab uh, two doors down. So they have, you know, more like functional movement, recovery, they have a sauna in there They you know, so it's lab is kind of taking on its own life force a little bit. And that's also our patient facing mobile application is SE lab that um, people, even if they're not in our clinics, they can benefit from a lot of the resources that, that uh, our patients in our clinics have access to. With all this being said, you know, your business model has a couple different layers to it. No doubt. You know, it has, has different layers to it. And with that, as you were saying, the medical professional that might naturally be attracted to this business model might not be the best prospect for this. Not saying they can't, and they definitely can in, in some instances, in many instances. But what type of franchise prospect are you looking for exactly? Like what profile of a person are you looking for? I know you mentioned the the area development type opportunities, which would be ideal. When we went this direction, we absolutely were basing ourselves on the thesis that the explosion in boutique fitness was a perfect lineup for us to have a wellness concept in the same strip. So the idea of multi-brand, multi-unit owners who have multiple fitness concepts in, 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 a, in, a, in a similar strip at one point, at some point in time, you're cannibalizing your customer base to a certain degree, right? That customer is going to work out four days a week, you know, for one hour, you know, per workout. And they have to choose between, you know, am I going to row today? Am I going to cycle today? Am I going to do Pilates today? And our concept is that we are an and, right? Leverage that customer base a second time because they're going to go work out four times and they're going to come and get a massage or, and they're going to come in and get a treatment. So we thought, you know, for fitness verticals that we would be attractive in adding a very uh, complementary synergistic uh, wellness brand. And if you're if somebody gets hurt and they can't work out, right, then you've lost that customer versus gained that customer next door, right? So, you know, as, as far as customer acquisition, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> the industry of franchise, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing because the growth path is, is a bit, it's still a bit of a mystery to me as to how people get from from A to C, right? And and so, you know, for the regional developer side of things and, and really to get properly capitalized and everything, there most people want a minimum of 10 company-owned units with consistent unit economics and, and really, you know, kind of a tried and true model before people are going to take that model, invest in it, and reproduce it. Makes sense. If I look at it on the investor side, right, of the developer side, I'm not looking to take risks, right? I'm not. I want. I want to make sure. You know, I want to buy somebody else's mistakes. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, learn as we go. 
But uh, because we built this system in the air a little bit, right, an existing clinic that was doing really well, that we converted into this model that was a workaround for corporate practice of medicine and gave developers, you know, medical tenants, let me just pause on that. Medical tenants are the best tenants you can ever have. 0.05% default rate. Restaurants, you know, you've got like a 90% default rate over the life of a lease in some areas, right? So the, the stability of a medical tenant is an ace in the hole. And so giving a developer a model saying, hey, I've got, I've got one job and that's to find tenants for my space that are going to be under, you know, a three to five year administrative service agreement. They're not going anywhere. So once I do the job of filling them, other than making sure my hourly employees are doing their job, it's passive income. And, and us as the franchisor, we're going to manage the performance and everything of all of the micros, right? We're going to provide the training and the ongoing support, even help with patient acquisition and everything else. So it's pretty friendly as far as that goes. The, the ideal demographic for us to open clinics is going to be operations companies that already have invested in other brands and want to diversify their, their portfolio. You know, on the micro side, I also think this is one of the things that is an asset for us is we can rent to chiropractors, we can rent to physical therapists, we can rent to acupuncturists, to massage therapists, to athletic trainers, to nurse practitioners, to Pilates instructors, personal trainers. So who can rent under our model is really pretty diverse, right? So you're not just you don't have five chiropractors tripping over each other. And every time the phone rings, it's like throwing a steak to a pack of dogs, right? It's like, does somebody want chiropractics or do they want a massage or do they want a physical therapist? Or, so it, but it is an integrative, you know, one-stop shop. And so we share patients all the time amongst our clinic because other people, I might send somebody across the hall because this person just is really tight and they need an assisted stretching session. They're coming right back to me, you know, to line them up in three weeks. From that standpoint, it really opens up the the, the pool of who is qualified to, to, to be in our system. Wanted to dive into that a little bit more. So is it is it exclusive or is it just kind of, there's not a lot of competition. So in there, like, would you be, if you, so say I was the, you know, acupuncturist in, in there, would I be guaranteed to be the only acupuncturist? No, um, it's not exclusive. Um, okay. so, uh, unless you negotiated that in, in your ASA, right. And, and that's between you and the unit owner, you know, it could be as part of that ASA, Hey, look, I'll sign a five year and I'll take, you know, we, we kind of rent per block of time, right? So it's like, I'm going to rent three rooms, you know, three days a week, right. And that's going to, your ASA is going to be based off utilization. So if I would say, hey, I'm going to take all three of those rooms, those are my rooms, but I don't want any other acupuncturists in here besides myself. But we also opened up and, and again, I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into the weeds because we're going to you know, I want to make this relevant for everybody else. But one of the learnings that we had along the road is that the micro franchisee to find let's just go with the chiropractor who had the stomach to go off on their own and be an entrepreneur and start a business with structural Okay, it's it's already a special individual. You know, we're going to give them a lot of support, but they have to also you know be proactive in building their practice. That same person, as an entrepreneur, probably wants a higher ceiling than fee for service. They don't want to bump into a ceiling of all right. I'm seeing the 35 patients a week that I can handle seeing, and now I'm at the end of my rope. They still want growth potential, and so we kind of realized, ooh, we missed the mark on. So one of the things that we have opened up and created the opportunity for is 
our micro franchisees can have their own employees. So that means that that acupuncturist, they might say, I get the exclusivity, right? And they negotiate that, but they have the ability to hire another acupuncturist to help, you know, meet their hours and fill their space. And, and even if we, you know, if it is a regional development thing, you might have that main acupuncturist, they might blaze the trail at each of the new locations in Atlanta, and they might backfill it with acupuncturists to do the fulfillment. Now, all of a sudden, they've built their own little empire, but with, with, no, over, with no startup capital because they didn't have any build-out expense or anything. Yeah, they're paying a little premium on overhead, but they're getting a bunch of services for that, you know, and, and they're only paying for the days of utilization, right? So a lot of people make the mistake when they come out of, you know, whatever it is, you know, physical therapy school, chiropractic school, acupuncture school, and they go and they, they find a space that's really cool. And they don't really think about dollar density, you know, per square foot. And they rent it because it's in a great location next to, you know, the salad concept. And they think, oh, man, patients are just going to come out of the woodwork. And even if they do, they realize, man, I overextended my overhead. And so now they end up, you know, how do I, I'm working all the time just to crack the nut. And, and so, you know, within this model, you're not doing an expensive build out and you're not taking on the whole nut. You're not there cleaning toilets on the weekends. You know, you're, you're, you're not doing it all. You're just coming in, dropping your bag, seeing your patients, but with the room to grow. That's how we set it up. And if that person really is entrepreneurial and they want to go open up their own clinic, great, right? If they want to open up their own territory, wonderful. You know, we're not going to, that's the network growth model, right? We're not going to set the, the, the ceiling low on anybody. It's a different model. You know, it's not one that you've, most people have seen before. I don't think it exists, to be honest. I mean, I think this is something that we solve for that uh, is pretty unique. It is definitely unique. You know, there's a lot of different, like you said, the the salon suites and those types of businesses out there, but that this takes it to a whole nother level. Those other ones, you know, and you can throw co-working in this area as well. They're just subleasing space and that's it. Yep, that's it. And so you guys are taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about some of the obstacles that you've had. Like, what are some of the hardest obstacles that you've had to overcome as a franchisor? Yeah, keeping capital in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you, you raise capital once and you give away equity and you think, oh man, this is a lot of money, right? Because, you know, you're used to fee for service, you know, standing over a table. And I, I'm a great therapist and I've made a great living being a great therapist for a long time. And all of a sudden you step out from under that, and you, you know, you raise like, you know, five years of wages and you think like, man, like, you know, we've got a lot of runway here. And then you realize how the vacuum of, of franchise attorneys and, you know, and, and audited financial statements and marketing and all of that, it just is like, it gets deployed and it gets deployed really fast. And so I think most startups fail, right? And I think most uh, seasoned just business owners in general, but definitely most seasoned franchisors, they're doing it right like the third swing at it. If I started from zero right now, man, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even break ground until I had a growth partner who was, you know, capitalizing us at a very different level. Cause I have a lot more understanding of what it's actually going to take. You know, putting capital in front of us and keeping that runway when when it's like I always said, like it, it kind of felt like I was learning how to play chess, but I didn't know what any of the pieces did. And I didn't know how big the board was. And so it's like, you're kind of learning as you're going. And then you have COVID that hits 
And like nobody knows what the pieces do now. And in no, you know, we invested in good data of like, you know, customer, you know, foot traffic behaviors and where we should put clinics. And like we really understood the industry and competitive, you know, who were the, you know, else was growing in our space. And then all of that data just became garbage, like in a matter of like a month. Foot traffic's changed. Some of them still haven't come back. Some of the foot traffic in major metros that were like financial industry driven, you know, it's like people are working from home. The, the foot traffic in some of those business districts still hasn't come back online. So, you know, the game changed. And, and you know, at that point, our goal was to go and open up a cluster of 10 company stores to show what a, what a high functioning region looked like. And we assembled the team, we raised capital, and then the party got canceled and we had to disassemble the team and we had to, you know, basically try to go into survival mode to, to, to stick around. And so, you know, that's that those are really difficult decisions to make is, you know, it goes back to like Willie Nelson, you know, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, you know, and 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 so we, we wanted to keep our existing clinics supported, keep our existing customer bases supported. And so we had to hit the pause button on, on growth, you know, during the last couple of years. A lot of businesses had to do that. Yeah, sure. Obviously, you're, you're not alone. Nobody that's listening is alone that had to, you know, go into survival mode the last few years. And the way that the market has changed, like, like you were just saying, Doug, is a lot of the, the market research that people had done before COVID actually changed. Yeah, no doubt. Because of COVID. Traffic flows, well, you know, uh, populations of different areas completely changed. Yeah, big, uh, and, big and- exits for metros. I mean, you know, you had, you know, um, you know, this you do a bunch of research on mean household income and you have a lot of second um, household income that, that came out of the workforce to be home with the kids because you never knew when kids were going to be in school or when they weren't going to be in school. Childcare became like, you know, basically made the juice not worth the squeeze for a lot of people to have their second, you know, household income jobs that changed the workforce and restaurants that changed the workforce and schools. I mean, you close everything down for a while, try finding bus drivers, you know, yeah. especially when, you know, Amazon and, and, and everybody else is exploding and, you know, taking a lot of that part of the workforce, you know, underway. In our industry, the big thing that changed was digital health. So during COVID, all of a sudden, you know, in the last three years, there's been like $18 billion invested in digital healthcare solutions for musculoskeletal care. And that's taken a lot of the vacuum, you know, sucked the air out of the room in terms of availability of a lot of therapists because you've got big companies who can pay them. They can work remotely. A lot of them can set their own schedules. And, and that's very attractive, you know, I think for a period of time. The last, you know, couple of quarters, the investment in those projects have been next to zero. And I think part of it's because it's overbuilt. And I think part of it is because the customer base still wants to go somewhere and be touched. And I think you can do certain things through the computer, but man, I stick needles in people and I crack backs, you know, <laughs> you cannot do that through, you know, through a Zoom call. You just can't. I think the, the customer base is coming back our way, which is encouraging. Now I read a lot more about, uh, you know, private equity and, and you know, VC investing in medical um, real estate. You know, so I think that there's been a, a big trend, you know, shifted back towards medical is, you know, good tenants and medical is here to stay and medical is growing and, you know, healthcare is, is a beast, right? So there's been a lot more willingness to, to you know, for people to invest in that type of space. So, you know, it, it'll come back, you know, and it's just, it's just time and capital that, that ultimately gets a good product, you know, to the, the scale that the product deserves. The, the way the market is heading right now is, 
is looking really good, I think, for, for a lot of businesses in regards to people coming back and people starting businesses, people wanting to be more in person, even though virtual is such a great uh, luxury that a lot of us have. You know, I think that we're, we're going to find people finding that happy medium here um, yeah. because a lot of people got you know, sick of the whole virtual stuff and, and a lot of the technology, even though it's extremely convenient. People want experience and people no want to go somewhere. They want to make an experience out of, you know, their trip, whether that's a trip to a restaurant or a trip to a medical facility or a, an experience of physical therapy session or sure. something like that. They, they want the full experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, we really kind of almost straddle two worlds that are very rarely brought together is the, even though we're very orthopedic, right. And we're dealing with knee pain, back pain, we're putting people's hips in alignment. We're, you know, fixing ankles and all that kind of stuff behind the door when you know, it's individual treatment rooms and they, they feel like you're in like a Japanese like tea house, you know, it's like you're sliding glass doors with glass, you know, the, the, the hall lighting glows through and it's very relaxed, you know, chill music. When people are on the table, they're there for like, you know, better part, you know, close to an hour and, you know, nice music. You got a heat lamp on you. You're warm. You know, it's like a very pleasant experience, especially, you know, a lot of people think like, ooh, needles, acupuncture. You that sounds like terrifying. Most people are like drooling on my floor, like asleep when I come back in the room. It's like <laughs> very pleasant. And then they get lined up and, you know, kind of show them some exercises and they walk out like feeling different. So it's not it's not this value proposition of like, hey, stick with the program and, you know, you're going to get stronger in six to eight weeks. It's like they walk out like, man, I needed that. And and so working from home and like in doing your PT, like through, you know, a Zoom call, you know, you still have the dishes waiting for you. You still have the kids, you know, who didn't put away their clothes. You still have, you know, the dogs that are looking at you like I need to go for a walk. It's hard to take that break and just hit the reset button with all those stimulations at, at home or at your office. You know, So people enjoy the getaway. They enjoy taking that little mini vacation for that hour, you know, once a month or, you know, once every few weeks. It's, it's something they really look forward to. The only dissatisfied patients that, that I really have are if I ever have to move their appointment and can't get them right back in, <laughs> that's the, man, I was really looking forward to this, you know? And, uh, but outside of that, you know, it's like people love it. I, I really appreciate you talking about the business and, and diving into it and understanding both sides of it. Really. What's next for the business? What's next for you guys? What do you guys see in, in three years, five years, maybe yeah. 10 years, if you want to get yeah, crazy? Definitely. Well, I think I've done a really good job getting to this point. You know, I mean, I really do. I feel like, you know, we've built a great brand. You know, it's, I feel like it, it's the, our branding is incredible. Our look, our feel, the experience, you know, everything else. But true growth, we, we need a team of experienced operators, you know, and that's a, it's like a little humbling, you know, to get to the point as a founder of like, you know, it's time to pass the torch. But I, I think we're at a point now where, you know, we need a hands on growth partner who has the operational expertise to get us, you know, from from great concept with proof of concept into like scale mode. And, and it's not just capital that that's going to take. Cause I mean, I could raise 10 million bucks and then I'd have to go build my team and I'm still the top dog of having to be the expert to hire the right people. And, you know, it's like, we want an operational company to, to, you know, 
buy our you know majority of of our of you know of our shares and to let me be the the guru and the teacher and the face of the brand you know put put me on a today show I'm, I'm your guy you know to represent the brand but at the same time you know being CEO CMO CFO janitor you know that that's that's kind of I'm not as young as I was when I first started this project you know <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do here in the future and uh, look forward to watch you guys grow. So where, where could the audience find you if they want to connect with you, Doug? Yeah, so a couple of different spaces. Structuralelements.com is just like our main website. And uh, and then outside of that, um, the mobile application, uh, SE Lab, is what everybody can benefit from. Um, we have a very simple exercise that's outside of the paywall of the of the app called Traction Exercise. And it's three minutes a day. It involves just laying flat on your back and doing some deep belly breathing. And it completely changes how our body um, processes stress. It gets us out of a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state. And if everybody were doing traction, this world would be a different place. Um, at SE Lab app, you can download that on iPhone or Android, and it's just got some wonderful tools in there. It's like eleven bucks a month. I mean, if you, you know, if you can't prioritize that for your health, then you know, then I can't help you. <laughs> Absolutely awesome! I'll have to check that out myself. Yeah, so I appreciate it, Doug. Thanks for uh, coming on, and uh, we look forward to, like I said, seeing you guys grow and and uh, seeing the future of structural elements. So thanks everybody for listening. Um, go on, follow us on at franchise fluent um, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all the socials. We're there. Thanks everybody.